Welcome to another episode of Think Like a Provider, sponsored by Nurse Practitioners Changing Practice. Today, we're going to be talking a little differently about a health promotion uh, topic, uh, colorectal cancer. And so I want to share some slides with you and go through a little scenario and um, give you some um, insight into the different things that you might want to think about when you are making recommendations for colorectal screening. Let me share my screen. There we go. All right. So let's meet Alfred. Um, so Alfred comes to you. He's a 50 year old male um, and he has come in for his annual visit. So he's right at that age where we need to start thinking about colorectal screening. Um, so let me go back. Um, let's go into his medications. Medications that um, Alfred takes are Prilosec, 40 milligrams a day, twice a day um, for his GERD. And he takes Mobig, 15 milligrams daily for his arthritic pain. A little more information about that. We want to be concerned about uh, being on a PPI for a long period of time. It can cause vitamin B12 depletion, which can cause a macrocytic anemia. So if we're doing a health promotion visit, we wanted to make sure that we look at that CBC and we're not seeing changes in that, um, that hemoglobin moving in that direction. Um, and we would uh, we, we are kind of concerned a little bit about using NSAIDs daily because that is the number one cause for gastric and duodenal ulcers, um, as well as if his kidney function is beginning to decline, that that can cause more problems with kidney disease. So we might want to try to wean him off of an oral um, uh, NSAID and try to maybe move more toward a topical like Voltaren um, Voltaren cream or diclofenac cream, but that is totally safe for them to use. So those are some things to think about for his medicines. Past medical history, he has Barrett's esophagus, GERD, uh, hiatal hernia, irritable bowel disease, and osteoporosis. So we're looking at somebody who has a history of Barrett's esophagus. We now know that he's had some cellular changes um, due to this acidic environment that's constantly washing over the bottom part of his esophagus from his GERD. Um, we want to make sure he's following up with his GI doctor and that he is um, getting the EGDs like he's supposed to. Irritable bowel disease can have a psychological component. So we want to make sure we're looking at the whole patient and make sure that we talk about different things in his life, what's going on as far as his stressors, and how does he decompress after a day. Um, immunizations, he's up to date. Um, he is due for his annual flu shot. I always direct people to go to the CDC. Um, he, you know, we've all had that patient um, that is hesitant to get a flu shot because they'll tell us that every time they take the flu shot, they get the flu. Um, so think about your responses and how you would um, direct him. We're also seeing a lot more resistance uh, with the COVID vaccines, especially with repeated ones. So we need to think that through and have our resources handy that we want to be able to um, give or handouts we want to give our patients to help educate them better on how they can help to protect themselves. Screenings. So screenings, he is at that age where we need to do colorectal screening or we need to have that conversation. Now, most recently, the United States Preventive Service Task Force has reduced their recommendation to include age 45 
um, but that is still a B recommendation, whereas 50 is an A recommendation. So a lot of patients are hesitant on wanting to get colorectal screening. Um, they don't like the prep. They're not sure that they need to take the time off work. It's an invasive procedure for colonoscopy. There are risks involved. They may have heard of somebody who had a bowel preparation or bled afterwards and ended up in the hospital. So there's lots of different issues. But on the other hand, colonoscopy is still the gold standard. Um, you can see from this chart, this chart comes from UpToDate, which is something I use every day for those of you in school or just starting your practice. UpToDate is a very, very good resource and many institutions offer it um, for you to be able to look anything up, many medical uh, health entities. So this is our colonoscopy here. We're looking, what are we looking at here? We're looking at our, our approved methods for colorectal screening. We have invasive colonoscopy, which inquires inserting the endoscope and taking a look. But as you can see, it is very sensitive. It is, this is colorectal uh, cancer in the purple all the way down to a, um, adenoma that's less than five centimeters. So our five uh, millimeters. So we have, you know, it detects uh, cancer as well as all of the, the um, stages leading up to it. So we can prevent cancer very well with a colonoscopy every 10 years, right? This is our test specificity is 86%. And this is um, the cancer deaths averted per 1,000, so 22 to 24. One thing to note here is as we go into the non-invasive ones, that that um, colorectal cancer death averted is about the same, you know, given the, um, the um, uh, CTC, which is a computed tomography colonography or a CT scan uh, doing the same thing is um, got a little better actually rate for it. And uh, sigmoidoscopy is actually a little better. So that's, that's kind of an interesting finding, right? But they're all pretty in the, in the same range there. Um, going to our next test, this is our FIT test, and there's a lot of, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, um, there's a lot of push for the FIT test every year as being very, very good. And as you can see, it is pretty sensitive at determining if you have colorectal cancer, as well as the CTC or the, um, the GUIAC for fecal occult blood test versus the FIT DNA. This one is known as Cologuard. So all, all of these are pretty, Cologuard is 92.3, so almost as sensitive as a colonoscopy, okay? And this is this one, they're just going to have to uh, give a stool specimen and send it off to a lab, right? Um, and then here is the next uh, where we're getting a, um, you know, a, um, an adenoma that is greater than 10 is here, right? And then you can see that's come way down from our colonoscopy. And here's them when they're getting smaller and smaller, not as sensitive, right? So looking at this chart, I would say this is our best option, right? Our next best option could be this. Um, and then would probably be our Cologuard right here. And then our fit test. So the question becomes, why are um, uh, health management or practices 
um, recommending the fit test over the Cologuard. And actually I had an eye-opening experience with this when I learned that if you test positive for a fit test, and this is one of our biggest issues, um, and I guess the biggest point to take home, if you have a patient that tests positive for a non-invasive test, they have to then have a colonoscopy. Um, they can't ignore that. And that's where the compliance issue comes into play. How many patients really do follow up and get that colonoscopy after they've had a positive screening uh, for a non-invasive procedure. So that's an important step. Um, the other thing is once they test positive, if they test positive for the fit, the colonoscopy can then still be done as a screening colonoscopy. And this is the big difference here that I want you to take note of. With the FIT test that's done every year, if you get a positive screen and they need to go in for that colonoscopy, it is a screening colonoscopy. With the Cologuard, which is more sensitive and tests for DNA markers, right? And since it's almost as sensitive as a colonoscopy, if they test positive for Cologuard, which is done every three years, or a FIT DNA, right? then it's a diagnostic colonoscopy, meaning that they're, they're pretty sure there's cancer there and they're going to diagnose the stage. There's a huge difference in cost between a fit positive follow-up and a colonoscopy follow-up. Huge, huge difference in cost for um, the insurance company, managed care. So you will find managed care will probably um, not be as ready to approve a Cologuard test as they would be a FIT test or any kind of entity that um, practice that is, is billing. Because if you get a positive, you know you're going to then be paying for a screening diagnostic colonoscopy. Uh, which is thousands of dollars more than the screening one. So that is just an interesting thing to know of. Um, so if you're if you're in practice and you're recommending the Cologuard, you might want to also make sure that your patient understands that if the Cologuard comes back positive, the cost for the colonoscopy may be significantly higher than the fit um, the fit test. And again, lay all the cards on the table. The colonoscopy may be the better screening option though, and they may want to go ahead and do that. Notice the difference between colorectal cancer deaths averted between the FIT is uh, 20 to 23, and the Cologuard is 21 to 24. So almost exactly the same as when we're talking about deaths, not necessarily a cancer treatment or what a person goes through and all of that. So just some great information for you to think about um, when you're talking to your patients about which way they should go with their colonoscopy. Let's look at Alfred's risk factor. He has um, hereditary form of colorectal cancer um, in his family, um, his age, or just not, not him. Let's just say anybody, if they have a hereditary form of colorectal cancer, they're going to be needing to be screened at a much earlier age, 45 for sure, right? Um, if, if there's any type of that. Inflammatory bowel disease is a, a risk factor, but he has irritable bowel disease. And remember, there is a difference between the two. History of abdominal irradiation or being African-American all bring up the uh, risk factors to be a little bit more. With all of your patients, you're wanting to talk to them about diet. Um, make sure they're drinking enough water. That's 
one huge thing with um, constipation that becomes an issue if there's a lot of times we we're in a dehydrated state but even though we're drinking sodas and we're drinking coffee and we're drinking energy drinks and we're drinking everything but water right water is huge in keeping our bowels uh, moving uh, fiber fruits vegetables right anything they can do to increase that make sure that we cut back on tobacco use eliminate it if we can alcohol use is a problem um, excessive consumption of processed meats um, that's going to increase um, inflammatory factors and so inflammation is everything to do with um, every risk factor we have right so we can decrease our inflammation that's really really good um, get people moving more and then Interestingly, aspirin and NSAID seem to have a protective effect. So in our patients' cases, NSAID has been pretty good. So let's go back and see what we find on physical exam. And in Alfred's case, we have um, no real issues that are coming up, right? Um, we are going to look at this other thing. I want you to take, um, take a real good look at. This is from up to date as well. And this is looking at um, all the different recommendations from the different entities. So as a provider, um, understand that the United States Pre uh, Preventive Service Task Force is not the only um, entity that is offering recommendations. We have the American College of Gastroenterology here. Um, we have the American Cancer Society. Um, there is the Canadian Task Force uh, Preventive Care and the European Council, and they all have different recommendations. So you want to make sure that you have a good understanding of what everybody is uh, recommending. And you can definitely see from here that 45 to 50 is about the age range that we're talking about. And then just taking a look at the incidence, and sometimes you can show your patients this too. Um, this is where we're at in our 40 to 45 range right in here. And you can just see that we're starting to come off that logarithmic curve and just starting to kind of come into the higher numbers where we can have colorectal uh, cancer. So just stop and think about uh, Alfred or any of the patients in your practice, you know, which one of these colorectal um, cancer screening tests would you recommend, you know? What if they are opposed to the colonoscopy period? They don't want anything to do with that. Well, then you definitely want to look at the non-invasive procedures to make sure they're getting which one, uh, one of those. And then which one would you recommend? You know, argue the pros and cons with your patients. Make sure they're a part of that decision-making process because that's um, what's really, really important. Um, so this is... Um, this is what I, my take on colorectal cancer screening guidelines. Um, we are here to um, help you in your studies as nurses, nurse practitioners, and as you enter into your practice. So we hope you continue to keep joining us for more episodes of Think Like a Provider and uh, visit our website, npschangingpractice.com. Going to be some new and exciting games that we're going to be putting up there. And so stay tuned for more. Thank you for your comments and for your support. Bye.